Welcome to the Mavens Do It Better podcast. And now, your host, Heather Newman. Hello, everyone. We are back again for another episode of Mavens Do It Better. And I have on with me today someone who's been on our podcast before, a dear friend and colleague and uh, wonderful activist and soon-to-be television star coming up soon. Um, We're we're actually recording this and uh, this will air after that uh, fortuitous moment that we'll talk about a little bit. And uh, I give you everyone Zoe Nicholson, who you might be familiar with from our last podcast. And we're having her on again because I want to talk to her more. And I think we need to hear a little bit more from her over time as we are moving into 2019. So hi, Zoe. Hi, Heather. Thanks so much for inviting me again. Uh, Obviously, Mavens listen better. Yay. I mean, the response that I've gotten from being part of this podcast is fantastic. You attract a wonderful group of people, and uh, I'm so happy you asked me again. Oh, well, thank you, and super fun. So so let's talk a little bit about, so I know that, so January 8th coming up, you are going to be on PBS um, on We'll Meet Again with Ann Curry, and uh, in conjunction with another episode, both having to do with Equal Rights Amendment, uh, women's history, women's issues, and um, I, I, you're, there are see, I'm seeing lots of buzz about it, so I'm sure you're getting very excited about this. Well, I, you know, through the back door and through, I certainly didn't go seeking it, but I had several women write to me recently telling me that they had written to Ann Curry about last season, season one was last year, saying, where are the women? Mm. And, uh, you know, Ann Curry certainly is uh, hip to what's going on in the Me Too movement because yep. of her personal life. And also, she's a very conscious and wonderful woman, so of course she would know. And uh, so I'm gathering that this season, they intentionally took on some issues having to do with women and two women who actually are feminists, myself, and the other woman that is part of episode six. And I think the fact that they made it the finale, episode six, uh, being uh, the fight for women's rights um, is is an elevation in itself to be uh, the finale, and it's not that far from Alice's birthday. Yay! Alice Paul's birthday is just a few days away, and as you know, she's my obsession. And of course, the Women's March is coming up after that. So uh, yeah, there is a, a bit of buzz about all of this, and I'm excited to be sharing the hour with the woman who went from stewardess to commercial pilot and I'm interested to see her show as well. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. I was with my folks, uh, this last weekend and my mother, I didn't send it to you yet, but she wrote on a big piece of paper, Zoe, Heather's friend, January 8th, PBS. And it's stuck up on the wall and she's told all of her friends. So hopefully they're going to have a viewing party up in Gig Harbor, Washington, which would be pretty awesome. So well, that would be, and we're, and I'm working really, uh, uh, steadfastly to get people who either know nothing about the ERA or want to boost their ERA campaign sure. to hold viewing parties around the country. And I also want to tell your mom and everybody else that it will be streaming on the Facebook page for 30 days. Oh, cool. Uh, and then after 30 days, they take it down, of course, and then it all goes to retail. So, gotcha. uh, and at that point, you can purchase it through PBS or iTunes or whoever's carrying it. I'm not 
crystal clear on that. But I, you can watch it streaming on Facebook, and it's also important for people who are uh, not in USA. Right. So our friends in Canada or in Europe or people who are traveling can actually watch it on uh, the Facebook page for We'll Meet Again. Got it. Okay, that's great. So yeah, so all of you listening in, um, it'll be after the original, but um, available 30 days after. So definitely check it out. And you can find that on Zoe's page and and my pages and all of those places where, you know, you might look for us. So that's awesome. Um, So Alice Paul's birthday, the 11th of January coming up. So um, we've talked before, you're obviously an Alice Paul scholar. We met over Alice Paul, over her, <laughs> over, you know, the uh, banner that was carried. Um, and, you know, you posted an article uh, that I read as well about the Women's March and, and that coming up and marching and something uh, that I thought was interesting about Alice that, that you were talking about, about with her and the march. And I was wondering maybe if you'd talk a little bit about that and elaborate on sort of um, things things one does in you know, um, in protest, in marches, and making change. I think I find that very interesting from you. So, Well, I, it, radicals, whom I call um, the militants, mm-hmm. militant doesn't necessarily mean violent. And uh, that's a, a common and correct differentiation. Some people have it confused. They think militant ha- it means military, and that is not what is necessarily meant. But in any social movement, there are the militants and there are the moderates. And the moderates collate, they collect, they see one another, they come out of their homes, they march. They do things that indicate that society is beginning to accept what the militants have been saying for a while. The militants, it's always a smaller group, it's a more radical group, and Alice's group was in fact, the militants uh, here in the U.S. Uh, eventually became the National Women's Party. But uh, the in the early modern- 1900s, right? Yes, I do. The yep. first wave when they were working on the 19th Amendment, and the parallels are really dazzling. That they were protesting the inauguration and the administration of a misogynist, racist president. I don't think that Wilson was as crazy as our current president is, but he uh, he was certainly uh, a hawk and unreasonable and uh, a southern gentleman. I use that term pejoratively, um, that he was a racist. And so there were groups of women, and the moderates, interestingly, when the war broke out, the First World War, uh, wrote Mr. Wilson and said, you know, we will stop the protests. We will stop working for the vote while you wage the war. We can certainly make that differentiation of what's important. The men's war is far more important than the ladies' movement. But if Alice, that is not what Alice did. Alice thought double down. <laughs> He's in his weakest position now. He's trying to manage the war. This is time to go for it. So the militants actually sped up their action. Now, to the issue of the march, I, I, I really wanted to explain a little bit of that in advance of telling you what Alice had to say. In 1913, they marched to protest Mr. Wilson's inauguration. 
they marched the day before he was inaugurated and they did that on purpose because all the benches were up all the bleachers were up all the buntings the flags already for mr wilson's inauguration in march of 1913 so everything was in place and uh miss paul being as smart as she was thought well all the ben everything's up let's just use that but at the end of the day when the march was over miss paul famously said, well, now we've marched, we have to do something new. Well, they had only marched once. And they were, in fact, the first march that marched at all to the White House for political reasons. Mm. But Miss Paul was a purist when it came to militancy. She re believed that to actually break convention, you had to do something unconventional. Mm -hmm. And marches after it was done in her mind, marches were then conventional. And so, you know, I'm reading today, as many listeners are, that uh, there are concerns regarding the leadership of the current American Women's March. And uh, I, all of my reaction is, well, that's right on time. <laughs> uh, that isn't odd. Because there were all these leaders and they were all coalescing and that one after another is saying intersectional and, you know, we have to do this and that and this and that. And by the time all the chiefs sat down, or should I say the head cook sat down at the table and they all had their own individual agenda, it has moved as far away from unconventional as one could get. Uh, now they are trying to coalesce and find a reasonable center position. And Miss Paul didn't care much for center moderate positions. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I myself think that to go to the march this coming January, January 19th, I think, Yep. Um, we merely need to understand our purpose. I'm not going as a militant. I will go as a moderate. Mm -hmm. I will go because we see one another and we celebrate our numbers. And we celebrate it means that women's equality and equity and intersectional awareness is seeping now into the collective mind. Yep. So that's what the militants did for us. And well done, brava. And now we're going to march with the moderates and be glad. And I hope that those people at the table, the sous chef and the main chef and the head chef and all the people who want to participate in leadership can somehow understand that they need to step back now. This march belongs to the culture. They need to celebrate that that was the outcome they had at the start that it actually becomes something mother can go to and grandmother can go to and I can take my daughters to, that all of America can march uh, without being militant, which opens the doors to thousands of people and uh, hopefully more and more. And, uh, you know, it's a great thing that our Congress has now reached 23% women. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I think... Reading that article and the things that you and I have talked about, I obviously that you know there, the needle was cast forth, in a way with the march uh, happening and what happened with our Congress and what's happening in local governments all across our country. You know, 
and the cropping up of more and more you know, diversity, inclusion, intersectionality conversations and programs and panels and all of those things that I get to be involved in on a, you know, technology and otherwise basis. So I feel like, yeah, I, I love, I really love what you said there about that. Because the, 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 the dripping into uh, another la a layer, another layer of the cake, you know. I think it also, I think it's become safer. I mean, to be a militant, there's nothing safe about being a militant. You're right. always at risk. You're always sort of standing on the ledge, seeing how far you can push it mm -hmm. before you fall over um, and, and get arrested or something bad happens to you. But um, but now, it, because the moderates are marching, and now it's safer. Mm -hmm. and, that's, and that's good. Yeah. That's really good. That it isn't a scary thing now to stand strong with your sign that says, are we doing this again? Do we still have to do this? Mr. President, we're not with you. What's happening to our reproductive justice? What's happening to fair wages? And people uh, standing with a sign for women's rights right now is not dangerous. Imagine. That's the step forward. Right. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine last night, and we were talking. I had sent him the article uh, that you had posted and we were talking about it because we were, he was saying, you know, where are you going to be? You know, are you going to DC? You coming to New York? Are you going to go to LA or are you going to not, you know, will you be with your family somewhere or just working or whatever? And I was, um, I was like, that's a good question. And I've been contacted by certain people, you know, um, for different cities, I guess, and things and trying to figure out where I want to be for that. Cause I was happy to be in DC for the first one. And back here in LA for last year and um, he was saying he was like you know how he's like because I continue to write about male allies and um, the patriarchy and I was curious your take on you know I think intersectionality has become a good thing to have be a part of this conversation but I've had some women and men sort of argue with me about male allies and should men be included and you know what is this intersectionality thing and why are you diluting the women's movement by bringing in you know trans and lgbt and people of color and all this stuff and i'm and you know and and i get that backlash a bit or at least people asking me questions about it and i was curious your take on that's all i just unpacked like a lot i just used a millennial term sorry but um <laughs> you know I don't know. So, like male allies and that. What do you, what do you think about those things? Hmm. I live on planet Earth. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> and, I, and I live on the patriarchal grid. Sure. And I use, you know, a, a Gatling gun, a sledgehammer, whatever I can to chip away at the patriarchal grid. But I have made the choice to live here, mm -hmm. and uh, I need male allies. Um, you know, the trans community, I believe, are leaders amongst us whose souls are so loudly heard that they cannot be denied. I have a great space in my heart for our trans family. Mm -hmm. um, I don't see the reason to exclude anyone if they can get on board with a platform. Yeah. And that platform is equity, equality, liberty. Uh, in, and and I, I, we need all the help we can get. Right now, 
the majority of leadership in the United States is run by men. The U.S. ranks uh, number 95 out of 195 countries on planet Earth of women in leadership, number 95. That means there are 94 countries ahead of us that are doing better than us. So, uh, yeah, I don't want to exclude anybody. And I, I, I understand that some militant actions need to be women only. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I hope that the men are collecting uh, bail for them, <laughs> waiting at the door for them, sure. sending them a cake with a file inside. Right. Um, but I do understand that some actions are women only. Mm-hmm. But as far as the moderate, this moderating, if you think of sound, moderating through the crowd, I need men to hear this. Yes. I, 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 one of the greatest people I ever met um, was, um, you know, an, a, an abortion doctor, a, a man who understood, who understands this more than a, a male doctor working in an abortion clinic. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not dissing men at all, and uh, because the aware ones understand, every time a woman advances, we all gain. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited about <laughs> more male allies. I am too. I uh, I I I had a f- I knew you and I were on the same path with that, but it is something that is continuing to come up as I write more about these issues and um, you know, leading more panels and things and. You know, and I know you do so much of that work, you know, as a lecturer and, you know, looking into next year, you know, I'm hoping to see you, you know, doing tea with me and Alice, you know, your, your, your one woman show. And then you have so many really cool lectures. Will you talk a little bit about those as well? So folks know about them. Well, Tea with Alice and Me became, is really my passion. It's a solo performance. It's 90 minutes. It's on a stage. And it. I thought it was going to be about tea, starting with the bus and tea party and the use of tea in revolutions. And as I, you know, it's all spontaneous. So uh, I have come to realize that it's actually about women gathering around tea and what happens when women gather Mm -hmm. and uh, the first gathering was uh, the first boycott and before the man named boycott boycotted of course (laughs) uh, women are pioneers and they boycotted buying tea for the family when the men were throwing it into the Boston Harbor so women understood the power of boycotting before we even named it. I, and the next one is Seneca Falls. It was planned by five ladies sitting around a table drinking oolong tea. But it was the tea rooms of the world. And in particular, it was everyone in the British Empire and America, which you know we barely got out from under the British Empire, that it was tea rooms, the first place where they actually built public restrooms for ladies to relieve themselves. Right, right. You couldn't go to the, you couldn't go outside, and you couldn't go to the bathroom. You told me this, and I was like, "What?" And you were to say that again. So, like women well, traversing women out, had, yeah. We had tea parties in one another's homes because there were no public restrooms for ladies. Right. And and may I even press the point further to say that when women started becoming elected to Congress, they had to put more ladies' rooms into the building because they only had one. 
when when uh, Jeanette Rankin went to Congress from Montana. Uh, we saw that in the movie Hidden Figures portrait. Right. Yes. The black women had to run for my, a mile to go to the ladies' room. Uh, it, our ability to relieve ourselves publicly was at issue. But uh, Harry Selfridge was the first one to do it. And he built, when he left Marshall Fields in Chicago and he went to England and built, built Selfridges and put in the Palm Court, he had the suffragists come there for tea. They had a ladies' room. And so Mrs. Pankhurst and her daughters uh, were able to go there and meet. And uh, I think it's sort of interesting that when the suffragists uh, broke windows of Herod's and the different stores, they did not break Harry's windows. Mm. The only ones that survived to be out of gratitude for what he had done for the advancement of suffrage in Britain. Wow. So, uh, you know, coming back full circle to the question, uh, Tea with Alice and Me really is about what happens when women get the ability to leave their homes and when they collect, not the least of which is, you know, one of the largest parades, marches in history, the Women's March. But the other ones that I am uh, offering new this year all came out of need. Mm. One is what's the history of the ERA, who wrote it, and what would it do if it passed, and what do we have to do if it passes, and she, Alice Paul wrote it in 1923, and who introduced it to Congress, and, and what is the state of affairs right now? It's such a fabulously interesting story, and her birthday being January 11th, I want to tell you that in 1975, January 11th, uh, Miss Paul in uh, her senior home, a retirement home, uh, the phone rang, and it was Mrs. Ford, and she called to tell Alice happy birthday. And uh, Alice said, well, thank you, but I'd rather you uh, talk to your husband today about the Equal Rights Amendment. Now, that Alice was 90 years old. Mm. Yeah. And the reason I point that out is to say that we need more models of women who lived well into their 90s, just like we're all cheering right now for Justice Ginsburg. Uh, you know, we need to hold in our minds that women lived long lives in service to one another, to women and to equality. So, um, you know, it, this this coming birthday, uh, it's the I think it's the 104th anniversary ah. of her birth. Mm-hmm. I will be celebrating on January 11th. So one of the talks is about the ERA, and another one is um, called The Answer is Yes, which harkens back to the upcoming television show. Um, that Interestingly, when I finally, you know, when we spoke before, I wasn't allowed to say publicly who I was looking for. Right. Or who I found, or was she alive? Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to find Sonia, and I wanted to tell her what I had done with the courage that she emboldened me with. And she wanted to tell me that of all the people she had spoken with on her book tour, and thousands of women showed up because she'd been excommunicated from the church, and she had written this book about it and shunned by the Mormon community. and. 
know, her life radically changed when she publicly stated she was in favor of the Equal Rights Amendment. She didn't just lose her current status in the church. She actually, by belief, lost eternity wow. as a Mormon. And uh, so she told me that of all the thousands of women she had asked to meet her in Illinois and to go forward and work on the amendment facing the deadline, which was June 30th, 1982. She said, Zoe, I want you to know that I asked thousands of women and only one of them said an unconditional yes. Mm -hmm. That was you. And I, I want to tell you, Heather, and certainly your audience, that that was a big shock to me. The rareness of saying yes hadn't really occurred to me <laughs> until Sonia said that to me August 13th of this year. I mean, I knew it was sort of rare, kind of rare, yeah, okay. I know there aren't a lot of people who see eye to eye with me on how radical I see the world, radically I see the world. But uh, to be the only one that just said an unconditional yes, so I named this new talk called The Answer is Yes, because what I had to do in reconciling that awareness was to go back and sort of recapitulate my life and look at how many times I said yes and how the payoff was. It wasn't always good, to be sure. Sometimes I said yes to terrible things. <laughs> sure. We all do. <laughs> If it's not a hell yes, it's a F no. I don't know. Um. <laughs> but I did uh, said yes, uh, just to see what was like. Why did Zoe cross the road to see what was on the other side? And uh, so I was always, uh, as much as possible, saying yes. So I have developed this new presentation called The Answer is Yes, recommending that um, yes is a really interesting journey. <laughs> People say all the time, your life's so interesting, so how'd that happen? And now I know it's because I just kept saying yes. Mm -hmm. For sure. I love that about you. Uh, I, I'm excited to see these some of these new talks, for sure. Hmm. Much to do to say, to hear from you as we move along, and I'm really excited about... Uh, seeing the the show, um, we'll have seen it by the time this airs, and um, we'll be rounding the corner to Alice Paul's birthday, and rounding the corner to the Women's March. So we'll see how all of those things um, sort of play out, and where you and I may be for those things, because I'm not sure yet. But <laughs> I'm not either. All I know is they're having a, a there's a pri there's a screening party for me here locally where I live, and. I've made a commitment that I'm not going to watch the show before the party. We're watching it live yep. uh, 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 Pacific time. Mm. And so it, I actually understand that I could watch it earlier on <laughs> Eastern time, but I'm not going to. Right. So I want your, your listeners to know I haven't seen it yet. So I'm going to be just as surprised as you. How amazing. So, well, I'm going to wrap this up with you for this time, but we'll, we'll talk again. We'll meet again. Holidays, marry everything, marry uh, PBS and yes. Alice Paul. Happy birthday. And can't wait to talk to you again. Yes, thank you so much. And so everyone, um, Zoe Nicholson, 
just amazing always to hear from her and um, all the great things that are happening uh, with her and her story. And so online with Zoe um, is where you can find her. You'll see in the show notes all the places you can find her. And um, yeah, her debut on television will be on PBS. Uh, we'll meet again, which will be able to live stream and watch uh, for about 30 days after it airs on January 8th. So um, Zoe, happy everything to you too. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome. The original music on this podcast was created by Jesse Case.